Broadcasting around the world at whivfm.org. This is Health is a Human Right radio show. Protecting people like yourself I have some news for you We're here to defend wealth I have some news to you We're here to defend wealth Tra-la-la-la A public service announcement with guitar. Hey ho, let's go. This is 102.3 WHIV LPFM. You are listening to Health is a Human Right, Nolan Matters. And my name is Mark Allendary. Thank you so much to uh, Lynn Drury and Sharapa for a great show. Uh, two hours of NOLA Americana music. That being said, I'm so excited to jump right into things before we do it. First, let me just say, AJ, it's been a while. It's so f- it's, it's great to have AJ back on. It's uh, been too long. It has been too long. AJ and I have both been traveling. God, it's been like... Like two, at least two, it's, yeah, it's been like three, months three months since we've both been. You know, I yeah. hate to interrupt this little episode <laughs> of the Waltons, but... Um, <laughs> Can we get on with this? <laughs> <laughs> and that, uh, y'all, is the voice of the great. I mean, it's fascinating <laughs> how long it's been since we've seen each other. <laughs> can you, right, before we get started, Vincent, and before we introduce you, can you uh, read yeah, our Yeah, I have our a little... PSA that I want to announce. Yes. Um, did you know that WHIV is a volunteer-driven community radio station? We are able to honor independent voices with your support. Stand for human rights and social justice by becoming a member of WHIV today. Monthly memberships are super flexible. That could mean one, five, ten, twenty dollars a month, whatever works for you. Or represent WHIV with a t shirt, tank top, fanny pack, and more. Found on our online store. Fanny pack. Go to whivfm.org and click support or store or both. Again, that's whivfm.org. Thank you for helping us honor independent voices. Like mine. <laughs> Thank you so much. And, and uh, I actually am going to ask you a favor a little bit later on, too. We're doing like a little video, asking people to video themselves. In fact, I need from the two of you guys. That costs mm. extra. All right. Mm-hmm. To, that, to say why <laughs> you love, why, why all the things that you love. Well, actually, let's start with that. What, what should I use for pronouns for you? Um, it. It. They. <laughs> they. All right. I it. have a very, uh, very adorable non-binary friend of mine that doesn't really care about pronouns. Uh, they they always say you can call me he, she, Regis, and Kelly. Um, so just whatever you're comfortable with. I'm All good. right. All right. Uh, so let's just get started. So you, we've been hearing uh, from the great uh, Vince Santos, uh, who is a New Orleans-based performance and visual artist, musician, and drag visionary, and also headmistress of the... New Orleans Drag Workshop. And what is uh, like social media or is there a website that we can plug? You can or? find me on the normal basic bitch things like Facebook and, you know, under Vincentos, Vincentos DeFonte, 
and on Instagram under Vincentos DeFonte or Galerie Vincentos with an IE, very French. Yes. Although I'm Italian. <laughs> um, and then also let's just say to, real quickly, plug your, you have a, you have a shop in the French Quarter? I do. I have a, a gallery called Galerie Vincentos uh, on Royal Street where I sell my art dolls and host about a half a dozen other local and international artists. Got it. And, and I call it my art prison because I'm in there all day, every day. If you want to stop by just to say hello, please don't. <laughs> I'm at work. <laughs> I was just going to say. But if you want to buy something, come on by. And you and you saw, and, and the things that you make are, are, are dolls? Or? Yeah, I sculpt art dolls out of polymer clay, and then I adorn them with vintage and antique things, um, either that have come off of my old costumes or that I collect from several sources. Uh, they're based on my nightlife, with, which is, you know, being submersed in the dragon burlesque world and the world of cabaret. Got it. They're very creepy and cool. Yes. I have some on my wall. Yes. I, like uh, eight. Four. has like eight of them. <laughs> uh, hopefully I will have eight someday. Yes. I'm um, halfway there. What is, okay, so is Funeral Gallery, is that what it used to be called? Yeah, when I started, I was in a darker place, and so I was like, I'm going to call it Funeral. Yeah. Um, I had, like, a casket in there, and hearses lined up down the street, and I don't know, I think, like, something's happened over the last couple of years, and I've changed. <laughs> I, can, I can see, look at that beautiful smile. This is a lighter side yeah. coming through. Okay. This is another Walton's moment, I think. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> I was I was doing some googling, and the reason I asked is because funeral gallery still comes up. So if people are out there looking That's for it, That's because that uh, we media Google. website that we shall not name at the moment like won't let me change the name for some reason, and there's nobody yeah. to call. So mm-hmm. just go to funeral, and it'll direct you to my actual gallery. Yeah. And then was there dirty linen night this week or this? It sure was. Were you there for that? Or I sure was there for that. How was uh, how? I, how oh, it was amazing. I bet it was it's late. just for me. I just call it damage control. You know, we so, we hand out liquor and right. people show up with their wristbands. They pretend to look at the art, and then they get drunk. And I just try to keep people from touching things and, and, and setting their drinks on a doll's head. Or something. Yeah. yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Got it. Cool. But it was a great time. Yes. Um, I know that uh, for the remainder of the show, um, that some of the things that we're going to be talking about today is I definitely want to hear a bit about yourself and, and a bit about your trajectory and the amazing uh, the work that you do as an artist, uh, burlesque artist uh, or drag artist, but definitively your work with Bauhaus, <laughs> sure. that, that, that uh, Vince Santos had an amazing opportunity to open for. Uh, the American tour, or was it the it Eastern? Was the American in Touches of Canada uh, leg of the 40th anniversary of Bauhaus's first album, right. um, featuring, of course, Peter Murphy and also David J. Right, and that was in the Flatfield. Was it in the Flatfield? Yes. Or was, yeah, in the Flatfield. So I definitely want to talk about that because I would say, uh, for me personally, I just was like beaming with pride to see you on stage opening up for a band that for me has been so defining, especially in the early eighties. Of course. I mean, I'm sure 16 and my parents sent me to that halfway house for, you know, a few days to teach me some kind of lesson. It was me, my eyeliner, and then a cassette of, uh, the Bauhaus tape mask. Right. Um, and so that got me through those really hard times. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I guess we'll let's, well, let's start there. You're you're from California, I think. Yeah, right? you're yeah, from San Francisco. I, I, or? I was born in San Francisco. Uh, grew up all over the Bay Area. Spent most of my li- adult life in San Francisco, um, and that's really where I started my, I guess, career as a drag artist and a, a lesser known musician. Lesser known? I mean, mm-hmm. you opened up for Bauhaus. Well, that, I guess now I'm known. <laughs> <laughs> I did not know. Although the, when I try to brag about it to most people, they're like, who? Yeah. Well, I, you yeah, know, yeah. And I'm like, well, you're it's definitely that. Know what that is. I, I would say I did not know that you could play piano and sing like that. I, I didn't so know that, either. That was, that was, that was came was, as a total <laughs> shock and surprise to me. <laughs> and you had a charm and a spell in the crowd that was really amazing. But anyway, that, uh, that said the, uh, is, is a burlesque. Or, or the drag, did that all start in San Francisco? Or in, yeah, yeah. How did you ultimately get to New I was, Orleans? I was always in bands growing up. Um, you know, I took piano lessons as a kid, hated it, threw that away. Um, when I got into high school, I started forming bands with my friends, and I played several roles. I would play and write, you know, on keyboard, on guitar. Uh, you know, I was the front man, woman for several bands. Um, and it was, you know, always just like a kind of a fun hobby. And then... Into my early 20s, I got into the world of drag in San Francisco through this club called Tranny Shack, which was this like super cutting edge avant-garde style of drag that I didn't know existed. Um, Up until then, I thought drag wasn't even really on my radar. And if people asked me about drag, I just said, like, I'm not into it because I didn't know really what it was. I just figured it was, you know, a man in a giant wig pretending to sing Dolly Parton songs. Um, a friend of mine invited me to this club one night. I happened to be single. I said, she said, you know, let's go to Tranny Shack. I said, I'm not really into drag. She said, there's really cute guys. I said, let's go right now. Um, once I got there, the first queen that hit the stage came out in like leather and studs and was lip syncing to an ACDC track. And it just clicked for me right, right then and there. I mean, I can remember the voice in my head saying like, I could totally do that. Right. And within a couple months, I had developed my own character and was on that same stage. Really? Mm -hmm. And you won the very prestigious title of Miss Tranny Shack. I did. She's a title holder. Really? So is is Tranny Shack still... Take that, pageant queens. (laughs) (laughs) Is that still a... Like, I would imagine that that, that that is probably not a preferred term or... It's not, of course, anymore, but, you know... Back in back in my day, um, you know, that was a term of endearment that we use. There's a lot of words that have been excommunicated oh, out yes. of the English language. But, you know, that was a, a term that we used to describe our sisterhood, you know. And it was really a play on the word transvestite. It had nothing to do with being trans. Um, and, 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 you know, it eventually got phased out over the years. But I can't change the title that I won. Right. You know. So forever you will be Miss Tranny Shack 20. I will 20, always be 2000, her. Right? Is, that, <laughs> is the establishment still open? Uh, yes. It's, uh, it's now called Mother. Um, okay. It's run by Heclina. And it's probably the most successful drag club and scene to ever happen in San Francisco. That's wonderful. Do you yeah. still perform there ever? Uh, I've, it's been about a year, year and a half, but yes. Um, when I go to San Francisco, that's my preferred venue. That's great. And is the character that you developed, is that still the same character that, that you, you want to explain that kind of the, yeah. Uh, when I first started experimenting with drag, I really didn't know what I was doing or who I was. Um, in these bands that I was in, especially going into my early 
20s, there were always these kind of experimental psych goth type bands. And I was always dressed in costume. I just didn't really know that it was drag even when I was doing it. Um, I grew up on Kiss and you know, Boy George and well, I'm sure always the Cocteau Twins the, must have been there or the, Dick Can it, Dance. All and... of it. Like yeah, the whole 480 catalog. Right. Um, I, that's actually all I really listened to to yeah, this no, day. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, and so, was, you know, the, the visual was always there with me. Even in high school, I was in full face all day, every day. Um, you know, cross-dressing, full, full makeup. Uh, I just, you know, to me, again, it was just punk. It wasn't considered drag to me. Although, looking back, I've been doing drag since 1979. The year I was born. <laughs> Yay. Totally. <laughs> look, look at that. That is in Bulgaria about a month ago. That's seeing uh, Implovdiv. That's the Dead Can Dance. At oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've the, definitely seen them yeah. a few times. Yes, this um, is in Plovdiv, Bulgaria. Leon and I went. But yeah, so when I, when I started drag, uh, my debut performance was to the Plasmatics, Wendy Williams. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I dressed. Wait, did you I, have I, a little X on your nipples? I, or? I did the whole thing. I, I, I actually like was doing. <laughs> Do you know who this is? Yeah. I was okay, doing an impersonation of her. Right. Um, and part of the impersonation, of course, was to have, you know, a stack of televisions, you know, shaped into a pyramid behind me on the stage. And then, of course, at the end of the number, I took a sledgehammer and smashed them into pieces, uh, which was a really good learning experience for me. I've, you know, if you're going to smash a TV, you better have a broom right. or a dustpan. Or, or at least um, you better be the last performer. And be the last the performer, performer after you is... Did the, well, after that, I would always go last. Did the producer know that you were going to do that? Uh, she was a fan of the plasmatics. Uh-huh. We just didn't know, like, how much glass was going to be involved. And then you didn't realize yeah. all the tubes that were inside the TV? <laughs> all of it. Yeah. And that was also the very first time that I, you know severely hurt myself and cut myself on stage yeah um but i've been hurt many many times the audience loves it when you get hurt uh but <laughs> so, drag, so, I, drag. so when i started i was sorry when i started i was uh in a kind of a weird place i had gotten out of a long-term kind of tumultuous to say the least relationship and i was pretty fired up and pretty angry and so all of my early work were to bands like the plasmatics or slayer uh, slayer was like my go-to band and now I would work out these aggressions on the stage with blood and fire and broken glass and now, smashing things. Now, when you think about the drag, you would, you know, to me, it's it, it may be, and again, this is, I have to do this at least once every show where, mm-hmm. you know, white cisgender dude has to, like, put foot in mouth. But you would, uh, you think, of, and I still see it to this day, you know, the drag is the singing the show tunes or, you sure. know, was you kind of doing kind of much more aggressive kind of almost punky or speed metal version mm-hmm. of that. Was that out of the norm of what was even then or what is now? Uh, not in this particular scene that I was involved in. There was so much experimentation going on. I think I took it to a, ne- a new level by going with, you know, one of the heaviest bands in the world, like Slayer. Right. Um, and one of the most aggressive and angry bands. Um, and it really just helped me kind of work that anger out on stage. And also have fun with it, um, you know, and shock people. I also used to get blacked out drunk, too, while I did it. Um, and towards the end, I accidentally almost burnt down the nightclub that we worked in. It was completely by accident. I, I just so happened. It was a, it was a Christmas-themed show. And I just lit a tiny little Christmas tree on fire. <laughs> 
we had it all worked out. My husband Gregory and I had it all worked out. We had we brought wet towels to put the fire out. But um, it got a little out of control, and the fire, like, reached up to the ceiling, and the audience started to, you know, slowly back away from the stage. <laughs> and the club owner jumped over the bar, and first he sprayed me in the face with a fire extinguisher, and then he put the tree out. <laughs> Is that how you ended up with the white, tell you what, up with white face Yeah, I'll now, tell or? you what, though. I didn't, I didn't miss a beat. I finished that lip sync. <laughs> And I continued to blow balls of fire onto the dance floor. Said like a true performer. As we're sitting right before I got (laughs) eighty (laughs) sixth, and then you came back and won the uh, uh, Miss Tranny Shack. Uh, I was actually the reigning Miss Tranny Shack. So when they eighty sixth to me, it was a matter of weeks before they had to let me back in. (laughs) And I'm sitting here with AJ, who's just looking horrified, wondering what would happen if his stage were to. uh... I love the story. I just don't. (laughs) I don't want to think about it in one of my own shows. But every t- every show that we've had Vince Santos in, there's never been, so far, there's never been any near-miss accidents. Right. So. I've changed. Is there any way we can do a recreation of the, pl- well, like like for a WHIV fundraiser, have you do the plasmatics thing again? And, mm. and <laughs> Let me think on that. All right. Let me talk to my management. <laughs> if you're tuned in. AJ, you're... what do you think? <laughs> no. We, we would uh, just do something else instead of TVs uh, or something. Oh, you know, uh, my favorite is when she used to blow up full-on cars on stage. Yeah. Like pull a Cadillac up on stage and just explode in front yeah. of thousands of people. She's one of my idols for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't thought about her in a icons. long time. Is she still alive or? Uh, no, she blew her head off. Oh. Yeah, she yeah. never reached the level of fame that she had aspired to and just could not take it anymore. It was and, that in the 80s? And or? literally blew her head off with a shotgun. Oof. Mm-hmm. If you're tuned in, uh, these are some happy words uh, coming from <laughs> Nola Matters, Health is a Human Right. Uh, that is the great Vince Santos uh, sitting with us today. This is uh, Vince Santos is a Nola, New Orleans-based performance and visual artist, musician, and drag visionary who is the headmistress of the New Orleans Drag Workshop. And, of course, with us uh, every second Monday of the month is one of my best friends, A.J. Strong, who is producer of multiple uh, and wonderful uh, 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 burlesque performances around uh, around town, and we'll definitely plug some 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 events in, j- in just a moment. Mm-hmm. So then, what? Uh, how did was there an ultimate? Like, did New Orleans kind of hit your radar, and is that how you ended up coming over here? Or uh, well, the first time New Orleans hit my radar was for Lost Weekend. Uh, my husband, Mister Gregory wanted to come for his birthday and I was like, cool. I've never been there. Um, this was a good, probably 15 years ago. And we, you know, stayed in the French quarter. We stayed on Canal Street. But you never, um, you didn't like read it, like because I'm sure that you probably read all the Anne Rice novels, like I did. No, and like, no, I'm didn't... allergic to books. And really, the you never yeah. like you didn't <laughs> read the witches or the vampire. <laughs> like when I was in my late I teens, was, listening I was, to the Cocteau Twins, I was reading. I Anne was kind of busy. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew about them. I saw the movie once. Right. Um, but the, so New Orleans. But, you know, was... it's like, cool, let's go. So we went and, you know, I kid you not, it was a total disaster. Um, you know, I mean, New Orleans has a lot of freedoms and, and Gregory and I both like to like indulge in everything that comes our way. Uh, at one point he disappeared for just over 24 hours. You know, me having, having never been here, I wasn't really sure what to do with that. And, you know, eventually I 
I called around to the, you know, different police stations, the municipalities, the hospitals to see if they had found him. Um, nobody knew where he was. So I decided he had brought this, this very expensive bottle of wine, you know, to crack on his birthday night. Uh, and I decided like, screw it. I'll just drink that. Um, I didn't even have a corkscrew. So I ended up like pushing the cork through with like a Sharpie, yeah. destroying this incredible bottle of wine. <laughs> Um, and just about when I was about to take the last sip, he just like waltzes into the hotel room. I'm like, Hey girl, happy birthday to me. Needless to say, he's still alive. (laughs) Barely. But yeah, so we had a horrible last weekend. Um, of course it was fun, but it was also very tragic. We tried to change our flight because we knew we just didn't want to get on that plane. We ended up getting on that plane. I sat down as I was leaving New Orleans, I was looking over the swamps and I said to myself, I will never set foot in that town ever again. Um, Some years later, Gregory was visiting here a lot. Uh, Our son went off to college in New York and wasn't coming back. And that was the first time that I could leave the Bay area as an adult. Um, And he said, how about new Orleans? And I was like, Oh girl, do we have to go back there again? Um, (laughs) And then I got online and started looking. This was just, you know, it must've been after Katrina. This was post Katrina. Uh, Things were dirt cheap. Lots of artists were flocking here. I got online, just started poking around, looking at rents and stuff, and and instantly I said to him, "We need to leave now because every minute we stay in San Francisco, we're just bleeding money." Right. And also, I wanted to be part of a place that was having a revival and a renaissance. You know, again because of so many artists were flocking here from all over, I wanted to you know be somewhere that was up and coming instead of somewhere like San Francisco that really seemed to be headed you know on its way out. And in retrospect, isn't that wasn't that a good call? Oh yeah. I mean, I was just in San Francisco like two weeks ago, and it's mm. it's it, a bizarre. It's a place. weird. Yeah, I mean, like, so you know, I grew up in Los Angeles, but went to school uh, in Santa Cruz and lived in San Francisco mm-hmm. uh, through the late '80s, early '90s, and it, you know, it was it was a funky, cool place sure. back then, both Santa Cruz and San Francisco. But just being there a couple of weeks, ago, I mean, you know, I, I recognize cities change, you know, and. We get like we get something they stuck do. in the, our head. This changes and... a little bit more extreme. I mean, yeah, it's, it's beyond very, it's beyond the idea of right. like gentrification or, or anything gentrification like that. Gentrification on it steroids. Is, it is. It's yeah. It's maxed out. I mean, the cost of stuff to get a cup of coffee, just getting around. The cost of the, living, the the endless privilege of you know, and the attitude of these children these, running around with tons of money, thinking that they own the world, and not just thinking it—they actually do own the right, world. They there. do. They're um, writing the they, algorithms. They run that. that town, you know. At the same time, you know, it has this massive homeless epidemic, and you see the disparity right there in your face. You know, on the same block, just you know, people ignoring each other left and right. Uh, so it's a it's a very strange place, and I do go visit often. My family's still there. Um, would I ever want to move back? Uh, they might have to burn it down and start over to get me to go back. You'd be part of that uh, revival, I can help. <laughs> right? Just light a light anyway, a, you know light a, light a Christmas light, light tree. A small yeah. Christmas tree. <laughs> None of it. It, would, it wouldn't be the first time San Francisco burns. <laughs> None of it really matters because, as I, I was taught as a child, you know, all the way through middle school, uh, eventually California is supposed to snap off into the ocean anyway. Yeah, so right. who cares? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, 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 Good luck I, with I, that, you guys. I learned. Yeah. I learned that many times. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, well, but cool. no, coming here, uh, you know, it was a chance to reinvent myself, uh, to bring all the things that I had picked up along the way and take them, uh, I guess, to a higher place. I mean, when I moved here, I never thought I was going to be 
a professor, you know, barely graduated high school. I always hated school. Um, you talked about your fondness for reading. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you know, I did a lot of antacid in the 60s. And so, like, I, my attention span is very mm-hmm. short these days. <laughs> um, I can barely watch a movie, much less read a book. Hey, um, oh, I, but, yeah, I, def- I never saw myself in, as, in the role of being a teacher. I always thought I would make a good teacher, a good counselor, because I've been through a lot. Um, I've, had a, I've had a lot of struggles with substances and just life in general. And, but I never, you know, I just didn't want to go to college for it. Right. So I made my own college, and you can too. <laughs> so do you want to talk about that? Yeah. Uh, when I moved here, there was no place for me to do drag. Uh, there was a very particular kind of one-note drag scene here, and I don't want to, that, want it to sound like I'm talking poorly about it. Me, right, it was right, just yeah. this one type of Southern drag that I'd never really experienced before. And it was based around pageants, traditional pageants. Um, Was it kind of like what I was describing earlier? Kind of like my, kind of what I've seen drag to be mostly. Very, very classic, very traditional. Right. um, And a very closed circuit. I mean, we're talking like lineages of people and families, drag families. Uh, So there was nowhere for me to express my form of drag. uh, And that was until I met Bella Blue Uh, She saw me perform at a fundraiser one time and said, I want some of that. I want you in my shows. And I quickly was adopted by her and into the world of burlesque and variety and cabaret, which is where I'm more comfortable with anyway. But I did miss my drag family back at home and I would travel back and forth, you know, just to get my fill. And then some of these cute kids in the Bywater started to put together their own little kind of like experimental drag shows, but they were just sloppy as hell. It was basically, you know, a bunch of young boys getting dressed up and barely making it through a lip sync, but there was a spark there. And so I gathered them together and said, you know, what if we take this idea of what you're doing and put a structure around it and create a workshop environment to try and make the art good at the same time? Like, I love what you're doing. I just wish you would take it more serious. Um, so we put this little group together. There were only five or six of us, and we wanted 10 or 12, so we put out a submission call online. And on that first day, uh, total strangers showed up wanting to do all kinds of drag. I thought it was just going to be like this weird punk kind of uh, experimental group of us, but it turned out to be you know, there were people that wanted to do traditional drag as well. And of course, being the, the the charlatan that I am, I said, I can do that. I can teach you that. And so what I would do is I would just, each week I would learn a new facet of, of traditional drag. You know, like actual women's makeup. <laughs> right. As opposed to this weird clown makeup that I used to do. Or, you know, how to make pads, how to transform your body. Um, and then the following week I would teach them that thing. And I would, you know pretend that that was my course description sure but really i was trying to figure it out for myself sure um and by the end of the second cycle uh we do this workshop in cycles we do a couple of them a year uh they're now 10 weeks that when we started it was six weeks then eight weeks um at the end of the second cycle i created a whole new character for myself that was a female-based character that had a woman's body and and uh, very ladylike makeup, and she wears she wore wigs and stuff. <laughs> well, is it is this the character that I've I'm familiar with, or is I'm this... not even sure who you've wigs. seen. I wigs, don't air, air quote my wigs. <laughs> the um, 
I, well, I've seen... I have a couple of real wigs. <laughs> Wait, so I want to... That's incredible. I didn't know that it had started only in 2013 mm-hmm. because I moved here in 2014 and I was in cycle four. Mm. Um, and that seemed... Well, maybe to, it was January 1st, 2013. Maybe, but my point is, is that... E- by the fourth cycle, I don't, I, of course, I don't know what it was for the third cycle, but by the fourth cycle when I was in it, it seemed very well established and very well put together. Yeah, there we was really a lesson established plan. A curriculum by then. Yeah, there was uh, a, a I, history I instantly lesson. realized that the project was bigger than just me and that yeah. I needed help. And so that's when we started bringing in you know, people that had expertise on things like wigs, uh, mm-hmm. fashion, um you know, yeah, there were theater. guest teachers. There was a history lesson. Um, it was it was an intensive. Uh, I learned so much. I thought I didn't know what to think going into it. I thought I would maybe learn to do some makeup and a lip sync, but there was so much more to it than that. And you're a very good teacher. Oh, like AJ, you. do you mind if I ask you a quick question? Yeah. Um, d- did you do this for your own edification to be a better producer? Or were, because I'm unfamiliar. I. Like, was it more, and this is, brings up another point, is who takes your classes? Is it all people who just want to do drag? Or is it somebody like AJ who maybe were you I'll just. Tell, I'll tell you exactly why I wanted to do it. Because I had, so for our listeners who haven't tuned in before, I happen to be a transgender man. I was assigned female at birth. When I moved here shortly after I moved here, I was able to, uh, with the help of my partner, Bella Blue, I was able to get top surgery. And that was another uh, step for me in my transition. So um, I thought, so I had seen Vincentos perform and I was, I was completely stunned. Mesmerized. Yes, absolutely. I saw, uh, I saw them do Slayer, a Slayer drag piece, and I did not know <laughs> that drag could do that. It was really inspiring. My my mind was blown. I, I'd seen a lot of drag um, and, you know, growing up in the gay clubs and, and whatnot. I've seen sure. many, many drag shows and many different variations, but I'd never seen anything like that before. And I wanted to know who is this person. And so when I moved here and started working with Bella and we were hiring Vincentos regularly, uh, I was just so very taken by, by them, not just the character and the performance, but them as a person. I was like, the more I get to know them. Yeah. The more (laughs) I get to know them, the more, uh, intriguing I find them to be. So Rewind a little bit, just had top surgery, moving along in the transition. Everyone's reading me as male, and I'm feeling really good about that. The opportunity for the drag workshop came up, and I just thought, wouldn't that be a fun twist in my <laughs> life <laughs> to now go back and learn how to be it didn't even, that didn't even learn how to that be a didn't woman even occur to me it i was even... I was so all about it, yeah, and I thought wow. at first I thought I was going to skate, you know, so I signed up, I auditioned, I got in and then the nerves hit and I was like, oh no, what have I done? And I thought I would skate by and do like a very androgynous sort of drag character and Vincentos was like, Mm-mm, that's did, not did what you, we're doing here. You, did you push AJ or? To, yeah, uh, so like the, the only reason for you to be here is to just go full blown woman and, and, and. Oh my God. Yeah. That, so I, I just I had, had my seen. chest removed and then Jeez. I find myself, um, buying nylons and birdseed. <laughs> 
to create a new chest in place of the one I just had removed. It yeah. was like it was cha- so challenging, but in the best way possible. And the things that I thought were going to freak me out and I was going to get hung up on, I didn't. Right. And things that I did not foresee came up for me. But Vincentos, as I said, is a very good teacher and has a way of guiding you through it with this sort of tough love and humor. And there's a you make friends, too. You meet these other people who are also going through it and you really get tight with the people who are in your in your cycle. So I made some very good friends there, too. Do you mind if I ask you, like, without having to get too personal, but, like, what was, like, a challenge? Like, what was an example of a challenge that you had to, that you'd feel comfortable sharing on air that you had to break through? Um, well, performing was hard. I didn't know. So, for um, one of the things that I do for the the burlesque shows is that I, I MC, And so, I'm in front of people all the time with a microphone, addressing them, talking to them. But doing that as a looking like a woman i hadn't even thought about what that would be like and when we finally did the portion of the workshop where we went to the studio and we were in in the mirrors looking at ourselves it really hit me right that not only was i going to be dressing in drag and doing this performance but all of these people were going to be looking at me and something got in my brain i i don't know why but i thought they're going to look at me like that and then they're going to be thinking oh i wonder is that what he looked like before right Mm -hmm. you know and for some reason that that really got in my head at which point you tried to even quit on me yeah i didn't want to do it i was like i don't want people to see me like this yeah yeah that's why that's why this is so fascinating because i i actually didn't even put it together obviously because i don't see you as trans and so i didn't think of that that nuance there mm-hmm. that but that that's so fascinating and and uh, i could see why you would be like no nah, i'm out of here you know i just i just had yeah, top did, surgery i don't yeah, feel like wearing right, a bra again yeah you know? yeah i did freak out yeah. a little bit and but i think what ha- what we came to that kind of pulled you back in was like i was like girl just get over yourself it's just drag it's yeah, a costume right it's literally it's meant to be a fun. costume right. it has nothing to do with your your sexual identity or how, or how you define your gender. Yeah. You know, you are literally playing dress up and pretending to sing a song. Yeah. Um, and by the way, AJ slaughtered I, it. I slayed. Did you? What did you do? I did. Slaughtered so it. I chose to do um, a tribute to a person who I used to work with in Minneapolis. She's a very well-known fetish model and dominatrix. Her name is Jean Bardot. Um, so I modeled my look after her. I wore like a vinyl cat suit, big mistake in July in New Orleans, but <laughs> lesson learned. And I had like a very straight, like black, um, sort of like Bob with haircut with the bangs, Everybody you know? Cage. Yeah. And, um, and, and I incorporated a bull whip in the end. It was super fun. And the song was, um, teach me tiger by April Stevens. And it was just. It was hilarious. It's one too. of my favorite performances out of you know over a hundred performances that have come out of that, that is, workshop. What a great I story! I learned from the best, and so yeah, it was a really really great ex- experience. So anybody out there who's listening and thinking about doing it, definitely definitely do it. So if, worth it. If you're tuned in, you are listening to 102.3 WHIV. This is Health is a Human Right and All That Matters. My name is uh, Mark Calendary. With us today is Vin Santos and and uh, my co. Pilot and producer and show host uh, every second Monday of the month, AJ Strong. AJ, let me ask you this: uh, Is it, it? I would imagine it's 
pretty not common for a trans male to do drag as a female. I imagine that's, a mind, that's a mind F yeah. in a big way, so mm-hmm. I can see what... I've seen it a couple times here and there, and I think I think people are now more than ever embracing this space of like gender queerness and gender yes. non-conformity. Yes, and that's a good thing. Right. Yeah, Did a, I make that word? It's a lot more blended. Yeah, the lines the are blurred. Right. Good, yeah. we like that. Blurry lines. Yeah, but... Um, I, I know a couple guys who do drag who did drag so as lesbian identified women um, were doing drag as you know male characters and then fully transitioned or I shouldn't use that word fully they transitioned and then now they do drag as women um instead of just right. doing drag as themselves on stage because you know I, and I did drag as male as well many 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 moons ago where I painted on the the sideburns but right. as you can see I no longer have to do that yeah, so right. so in my mind and people have many different definitions of what drag is I'm not trying to define this for anyone but in my mind since I can grow these sideburns and I don't really need to paint them on and impersonate a male anymore if I were to do that I f- feel for me i would just be being me and not doing drag so for me really doing drag inside of that workshop meant crossing back over that line back into femininity something that i fought against my whole entire life Mm -hmm. and it was really about just doing it embracing it and doing it and letting it be fun and letting it not be so serious and something that i was just so opposed to yeah, you should write an article about that. Uh, I, like, I mean, it's right a now, we're in the middle of the show. Yes, we <laughs> yeah. are. No, but it's like a. Yeah, I'm not a writer. I would do if anyone wanted to write that. I would talk about it and have right. someone it's else. Right, it's such write a fa- I want to see the fa- feature are you, film. Are you a writer? You're um, not a reader, or writer. I write yeah. for myself. Mm-hmm. Got it. Got yeah, it. I have a really cute diary. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> can you please? How did you? Well, p- next time we have you on, sure. Can you bring it? Yes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, um, but ju- yeah, just to just to go off of what AJ was saying, you asked, you know, what you know, who signs up for this workshop, and yes. it really, literally, is people from all walks of life. We've had people as young as nineteen and as old as fifty-eight, um, all kinds of different financial backgrounds, different demographics. Sure. Uh, you know hetero queer homo trans i mean you know the whole spectrum of sexuality and sexual identity uh, and people take it for different reasons obviously drag is really really popular right now you right. Know, due to the event of television um so some people just come in and just be like work i want to do rupaul drag um other people just love drag so much that they want to just try it other people just have never done anything this gutsy in their life and want to see if they can like overcome their fear of getting up on stage. Um, you know, a lot of people want to work in the industry, and we get all we get all types. We have people that have been able to quit their day jobs and go into drag full time as a career. Um, we have people that have overcome that fear, got up on that stage in front of a couple hundred people, performed for a few minutes, and then put it away and never done drag again. Um, and if you, if some of, and then there's some of them that are all, you know, in between. Mm -hmm. And what I encourage people that take the workshop is come in and just do the workshop, have the experience. It culminates in a draguation ceremony, um, where they have to get up on stage in front of a sold out crowd and perform for three to five minutes. Uh, and the idea of that is if you can do that, you can do anything in life. 
Um, and I, I, I try to encourage them to just get through the program, leave it at that, leave it at that night. And then from there, decide, you know, what you want to do with it. You don't have to feel obligated to go out there and hustle gigs, although many of them do. Um, but what's happened with the workshop is that it's created endless diversity in the drag culture here in New Orleans. And I feel like New Orleans is at the forefront in this country for, you know, one of, having one of the strongest drag scenes out right now. And this was largely due to me. That's what I was getting to. <laughs> no, it was due to the willingness of, of people to, you know, to, to jump on board and, but you and had take the, this ride you had with the me. the first vision, though. I mean, like, what was it like when you first came here and everyone's doing their little pageantry, you know, and uh, you came out To me, it was super fast. Slayer, to me, it was fascinating, like, uh, you know, to see this new form of drag. Again, there just wasn't a place for me, so... I guess you created it. I wanted to create a world that I wanted to be in and, right. and create the shows that I wanted to go to. I mean, to a large degree, when I first got here, I, I got here just right before Katrina. And then mm. I uh, like the radio here in New Orleans sucked. You know, I didn't think that I would ever start a radio station, mm -hmm. but it sucked. You know, you had one or two stations to choose from. And, and ultimately, like the stuff that I wanted to listen to, the podcasts or the news or the progressive views sure, or, sure. you know, conversations like this, conversations I have with AJ on, on our shows are endlessly fascinating for me because they're not, you know, and I'm in the HIV world, so I mm -hmm. am close to having conversations like this, uh, but, uh, you know, having, creating the space has been great, and so for myself, because that's what I wanted to hear when I, when I drive around or whatever, and I imagine sure. to a large degree. Yeah, I mean, what I did is I moved you. here and complained about it for a couple years. <laughs> You know, just like, just bitched and moaned. I, I have a hard and, time and believing you complained. I did. I, like, I literally I just, really just com complained that. how dissatisfied I was. And then uh, one day, like, a light went off somewhere, and I was like, quit complaining and just do something. Um, um, you know, which is what I tell all of my friends that are complainers. You know, going if you don't, if you don't like the way things are going, make it happen. There for you yourself. go. That's what I, yeah. Um, one last thing before we, we switch over and start talking about the tour that you did. Sure, sure. Um, what is proper etiquette at a drag show for people that are watching? Um, well, don't touch anybody unless they invite you to touch them. Well, that's just like a good um, life lesson. Mm -hmm. I mean, the shows that we produce are, are more theatrical and in more uh, theatrical and cabaret settings, uh, typically seated. Um, I have worked, you know, on Bourbon Street. I worked, I produced, I emceed a show for Bella Blue on Bourbon Street for close to two years where you get oh, yeah. like the most out I of control that. audiences, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. I remember that. where my life was put on the line one or two times. Um, so yeah, uh, don't touch anybody unless you're invited to touch them. Uh, if you're going to sit in the front, how about you don't just sit there and talk about how bored you are at work or how much or how mad you are at your boyfriend, like going in the bathroom and and save it for somebody that cares. Right. Um, you know, be present, be phone. a part of the yeah. experience. Um, and the number one rule is tip your tip your drag performers. Yeah, tip. Right. Drag oh, expensive. Yeah. So uh, the idea is, if you're going to a drag show, bring lots of bring cash, singles or <laughs> sure. fives, tens. Yeah. yeah. But if you don't have cash, bring a good attitude and bring, get into right. it. You know, what we want is an exchange of energy of, of mm -hmm. good energy. You know, and if you are at least you know, paying attention and engaged with us and involved with us. That's really, really what we want is to have this human experience and this connection with the audience. The dollar bills are just the, you know, dollar bills on the icing on the cake. Right. So one more question, I promise you. Mm -hmm. What is, what have you seen? How has drag kind of like 
turned or some elements of drag that has kind of gone in a way that is not uh, positive for the art form? Like, has there been recent, like, well, or yeah, has I, there been, like, exploitation of some sort or another? Or is there... I mean, you know, when, when, when drag got on TV and became insanely popular, I think there was... You know, it was reality TV, and they were definitely, like, trying to pump up the drama like they do with right. any reality TV shows. And I think there was an idea that you, to to be in the drag world, you have to be, you know, vicious um, or a – I can't even say the word, I guess, because we're on the radio. Yeah, don't. Thank but, you. Um, <laughs> but that's – you know, that's not the world that we live in. I we, mean, is it kind of like what RuPaul is to drag? Is kind of like what Suicide Girls are to burlesque? I mean, is that a decent analogy or I – mean, It's hard for me to say. I mean, I love – the whole RuPaul thing. I, you know, I watch the show religiously. Several of my friends have gone on there. They've won. They've created incredible careers. At first I was a little bitter because the pay scales got tipped so far. You know, if you're, if you made it on TV, you're getting paid real money. Right. If you haven't been, you're just, you're just getting the scraps. Right. But it also opened up a whole industry. Um, and now there are so many different gigs out there. Um, you know, both as drag performers or the people working behind the scenes, the costume designers, the wig designers, there's some, you know, people creating their own makeup lines. It's just, it's, I think it's provided a lot of work for a lot of people. And I swear any event that you go to these days, there's going to be a drag performer. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't care if it's a baby's first birthday, you know, no, read, a true. reading at the library. You know mitzvah. What? Like up there's going to be a yeah. gig for a drag I, I know. queen. I, I actually, where, up in Minneapolis, where I'm from, they do a drag brunch and people bring their children. Really? Yeah. And That's the kids awesome. go That's up and disgusting. tip and everything. Right. <laughs> I, uh, I mean the brunch part. Yeah. I just, well, I just play, I play, I played IO. I just played hi ho last Tuesday for a benefit for mm -hmm. uh, somebody who is super sick. And I how went, many drag performers were there? Three. <laughs> there you go. As soon as I walked into the green room, they were all there. Like yeah. we had, we all our instruments were there, and we left, and we came back, and everything was like yeah. everybody every loves drag. <laughs> there was every everything was everywhere. We had, I'm like, excuse me, like trying to get my little instruments. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and as far as like you know the, the idea that you need to come in with like this horrible attitude and scrape your way through and to get the gigs. Um, you know, what I tell my friends and my students and, and my colleagues, if it's if you're not having fun doing it, then what's the point? Right. You know, just move on. Right. Um, and just to wrap up the whole drag thing, our latest batch, Cycle 10, has been working really hard for just about nine weeks now. And on so Draguation is coming up? On August 20th. They've already sold out their first show. There's we two ha shows. We have to go. Yeah, wait, where, where is it? Two shows at the Always Lounge, oh, 8 good. and 11 p.m. Uh, you can get tickets for the 11 p.m. because the 8 p.m. is beyond sold out. And you can just go to the Gambit's website, uh, bold type tickets, and try, type in Draguation. And hopefully you'll still have a chance to see it. It's the most electrifying uh, show that I've ever been involved in because the audience is there for it. The audience is there to support. So even the performers that are not at the i guess the top of the class like the ones that are just kind of barely making it through you would think that they were rock stars because they are being treated as such and i tell all of my students that this is going to be the best night of your life and it's going to be all downhill from there <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, it, it is really fun we should absolutely yeah, go. yeah let's yeah. go yeah the, uh, the exchange between the audience and the performers oh that's unlike awesome. anything i've Aug ever august 20th always lounge the yes. 10th the 10th grad yeah. uh, draguation draguation boy type tickets i would love to continue going down that like i can't believe you got to 10 and all that stuff but Oof, the word the, the clock 
And uh, let's kind of transition into let's do it. it. How did you get connected with Bauhaus, um, and how did that work out? So, Vin Santos for, for how many hours do we have? Well, I. I I want. I'm more than happy to have you come back, talk more about house, and then read from your diary because I would love to hear. I, what I can you give you the. I can another, give you the like short version. Um, and then, I, then I want to hear about. Uh, okay, give me the short yeah. version. The and short then version got... is around 2007. I was uh, living in San Francisco, and a friend of mine sent me a message saying, uh, "You know, my friend David Jay is, you know, looking for some projects. You know, some stuff to." connect with people on here in bass San Francisco. The, and I'm like, you mean the bass player for Bauhaus and Love and Rockets? He's like, yeah. And I'm like trying to play it cool. I'm like, yeah, that sounds all right. You can, you know, give him my email. You know, not thinking that I, anything would actually ever happen. My life is like full of uh, empty promises. Right. Uh, you know, being an underground artist, like there's very little reward. Um, um, but he did email me. And then, you know, within a, a few emails, I sent him, you know, some clips of some, you know, four track recordings and some scratch recordings that I was doing. He's very, very much into like the Weimar era of, of the cabaret scene. Um, so he was, you know, particularly interested in what I was working on. Um, and, you know, within a few emails, he asked for my phone number and I thought like, okay, this is going to be super weird. You know, like I grew up listening to these bass lines right, and, right. and and the phone call came and I was I remember I was at my house in I was living in San Jose at the time in my grandmother's house uh, and the phone call came. I think it was it might even been on a landline <laughs> um, and we had a chat, you know, and he's so horribly charming, uh-huh. you know, to begin with. And he said, you know, I really like what you're doing. Um Ultimately, I'd really like to produce your album. And I'm like, well, how would that even work? You know, and he's like, well, I'm going to be in L.A., you know, DJing this party. And I said, well, I can, you know, I can, I can, of course, be in an L.A. anytime. It's so close to here. Six hours Um, driving. How about I just meet you in person and we just take it from there. And a few weeks later, you know, I made sure my ass was in L.A., uh, he was DJing at the Standard Hotel. It's kind of a funny story, which I've shared with him. Uh, you know, I was a little nervous to meet him. I've met lots of my uh, inspirations over the years, and I don't really like that idea of being starstruck over people because the thing I find out over and over is they are, they are just people. Um, I went to meet him, and he was finishing up his set, and he said, do you want to just go to my room for a drink? And I thought, like, okay, what is going on here? What kind of meeting is this? Right. Because <laughs> I didn't really know much about his personal life. Right, right, I'm like, right. is this guy hitting on me? Right. Um, and we go to his hotel room, and he pours some whiskey, and he sits on the edge of the bed. And I'm like, oh, my God, am I supposed to put out or something? <laughs> <laughs> Turns out that was not the case. And we just started talking about the music, you know, especially like our love for like the cabaret thing um, and put a plan together that he would come to San Francisco. And we were dead set on recording on analog, um, which is another thing that we both love. We just both love old things. Right. We love the vintage. Um, And probably six months later, we had organized all of the musicians uh i put all the material together had scratch recordings of everything and we went into this place called tiny telephone studio 
and recorded onto a tape on this like old Neve console that was used by the BBC. Wow, and yeah, like yeah, I'm yeah. you know, I'm pretty Neve sure like at some point like, Pink yeah. Floyd like ran some tracks through there right, and right. and did this beautifully produced album. And from there he and I would play various cabaret shows around California. Um like would he he would play as part of your band or was uh, he... we had done a few little collaborative pieces but i would open for him got it for his uh for his solo for his solo, cabaret his solo act. stuff yeah. he has a solo cabaret act i yeah. did not know that yeah that it was he... called cabaret escudo at the time and he that he played that he djs or that he plays with he, a band it was a live band it was a live band yeah. got it with a female singer or with uh, no a... he was the lead and then he would incorporate different instruments uh different instrumentalists and oftentimes we would share those instrumentalists got it yeah. got it so then flash forward to flash 2019. forward uh 2019 at that time i had been working on a film project with a parisian filmmaker colleen albert she was putting together a documentary about my art career i don't know if you can call it a career but my art life my life as an artist and and all the different angles that I'm working all the time and me trying to figure out what I wanted to be when I grow up and, and kind of a major arc of the film is me realizing one of my dreams, which is to have a show in Paris. And it came time to book that show. And I just so happened to run across this, you know, the, the promo for this 40th anniversary Bauhaus, Peter Murphy, David J reuniting um, to do this tour and I was looking through their tour dates, and we were set to be in Paris around the same time. And, of course, I told the producers then, well, I only have this really small window where I can actually go, which is the same week that they're going to be there. They didn't know this, but this right. was my plan sure. um, to be there at the same time. I just wanted to go see the concert right. you know, and see David and, and you know, see them in Paris, of all places. Um, so we're there doing, uh, we're there setting up. We actually did our drag show. It was myself and five of my favorite drag performers from San Francisco and from here. Uh, flew to Paris and, and put on a show at the Mona Bismarck Center for American Arts. So it was very fancy. Um, I call up David, tell him that we're all here. He knew he knows several of my drag performer friends because he would come to the drag shows or be in the drag shows. Um and he said, you know, great, there's tickets for you at the door. And then I'm DJing the after party. I want you to come by, meet Peter. And I'm thinking like, oh, my God, I'm going to meet Peter Murphy. And then it just like popped in my head with like, I'm going to meet Peter Murphy, but I'm going to try and get on this tour. Did you really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought like, no, I just I thought like, see that coming. <laughs> I just thought like, what a perfect marriage. Right. You know? Yeah. No. Of course. It, um, it, it it was. And so you know it. Ha you know we went to the show. It was incredible. It was actually at the Bataclan. You know, which, right which after is, you know, after at, right yeah. after that horrible incident, incident that happened right. there. Um, it was very surreal being in that room at a sold out show and just being stuffed in there with so many people and just kind sure. of visualizing what went down Oof. in there. Yeah. Um, and they ended up doing a really beautiful tribute uh, at the end of their set where. Peter saying severance from dead can dance. Right, and it was right. just, it was just, you know, tears in everybody's right, eyes. Right, right. We split, we go to this little nightclub on the other side of town and, uh, you know, and the, I guess the green room, the VIP area is very, you know, very tight security, but you know, it's me. I managed to make it through. Sure, Of course. Um, and, and Peter had known a little bit about me through David, 
you know, he's like, oh, you're, you're the diva that David talks about, right. you know, and I sat on the couch with him and he, he gave me a hard time at first um, and really kind of poked at me and was very funny and super Was he kind of testing you to see like. Yeah. I mean, you know, uh, you know, when you like somebody and you pick on them, right. you know, like on the playground, I felt it was like in that spirit. Right. And I really, you know, couldn't, I really couldn't tell, like, you know, is he just fucking with me? You can't say that word. I mean, is he just messing with me? Can we go back in time? (laughs) Let's let's ignore it. Let's just keep going. Is he he trying to be mean? (laughs) It took 55 minutes and 56 minutes and 10 seconds. (laughs) We will have... never be on radio again. <laughs> oh no, you're coming um, back because we got to finish this story. But we spent, you know, we spent about you know two to three hours that night drinking whiskey, and it culminated in me telling him that I do their song crowds, right. which is you know the only like little kind of piano ditty right. that they do. And he looked at me kind of in shock and said, "Crowds? I would never do the crowds. We've never played it live. I would never, ever, ever." And he was kind of fascinated with this idea that I did his song. Um, the song has some some real deep personal meaning to him, which is why he's never gone live with it. And also, piano is not part of their repertoire. Are you? Yeah. And so we leave it at that. I get back to the states. A week later, David emails me. He says, you're going on tour, girlfriend. <laughs> All right, when, when you come back, uh, sorry, when you come back, uh, can we, we, we. Oh, well, like we when I come, come back to the station? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, we I were just getting to the good stuff. I know. Well, we got to go. We have to, we're going to have to reschedule. Yes. Well, we have to do a part two. We have to do a part two. Okay. Well, come to the graduation on the 20th. Come say hello. Um, and then I'll see you guys soon. And yeah, we'll I'll talk see you on the about. 20th. I'm actually going to also to New York next week. If anybody from New York is listening, I'll be playing at Le Poisson Rouge, opening for Peter Murphy as part of his residency on the 15th, 16th, and the 18th. So if you want to see it live, uh, come check me out there as well and say hello. Super. Thank you Thank so much. You, AJ, Santa. anything to plug? Uh, you know, just go to thebellalounge.com. That's where you find all of our stuff. Got There's it. a calendar on there. Thank you so much, Vincentos. Thank, thank you. you. AJ, thank you. I love the Thanks. two of you guys. Uh, Kenny and I will be right back with the Resistance Radio. Reap what you can of me. Reap what you can of me. And this I'll say to you. And hope that it gets through. You worthless bitch. You fickle shit. You will spit on me. You will make me spit. And when the Judas hour arrives, and like the Jesus Jews, you will epitomize. I'll still be here, as strong as you. And I'll walk away in spite of you. And I walk away, walk away, walk away, walk away, walk away, walk
This is 102.3 WHIVLP Resistance Radio is getting ready to start in just a moment. Thank you so much to AJ and uh, thank you so much to Vincentos. We look forward to having them both 